Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me as always, DJ Mark. What's up? Also joining us this week of the uh, for the podcast, an episode, by the way, which I am labeling We Told You So, is Mr. Lavender Gooms. Hey, guys. It's been very sporadic that I've been on the podcast the last about five weeks, but uh, mm-hmm. I guarantee you, you can expect a string of consecutive appearances. Okay, and what you mean? What, what, what else you want from me? What, what else you want from me? Is it today? What stupid holiday did you bring to the show? After all, yeah. If you, Mike, away, when you're not here, I'm not sure you heard. Oh, I'm sure Mike listened while we were gone, but if he forgot, I, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> Mike, just fucking lie. Um, as when Mike was gone, I was given the task of trying to talk about these days, and I pretty much just talked about some atrocity that took place in history on that day. So yeah, um, you got you got to. What, what, what did you think up? I really was just going to Wikipedia, putting in like February twenty eighth, and I'm like, oh, the Saint Valentine's Day massacre when it happened in fucking Chicago. Or that was, I mean, literally what I read on <laughs> February fourteenth on this show. So yeah, um. Anyway, do glad me, glad to have do, you back. Do me, do me do me a favor. Don't bum out our listeners in the first five minutes of the episode with, Look, with days like that. We got no, help. That's me, what you came in for, Mike. I say sup, and then you come with the levity. Yeah, exactly. Everything gets off to a nice. We're, also, we're lost without you, Mike. We, the three of us know of all the people who don't want to bum people out on this podcast. You are in no position to say anything because you are still the man where we junked an entire episode. The one time. Where one time. <laughs> Where you went on a forty-minute diatribe about nuclear, about a nuclear what was a nuclear bomb museum? Yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't forty minutes. It probably felt like forty minutes though. It was probably ten to fifteen minutes tops of admittedly very dark subject matter. I think at one point I talked about the uh, what was it? The shadow yes. that was left behind. Yes. yes, you did. For people that were right near the episode. You explosion. know what? That's. That episode is for the Patreon fucking highest level subscribers of this thing, man. All right? You get our disasters. Anyway, uh, today, March 6th, while we're recording this, I wish you guys a happy National White Chocolate Cheesecake Day. And because of all that white chocolate cheesecake, also a happy National Dentist Day because you'll need it after the cheesecake. Also, it being March 6th as we recorded, we record... A happy birthday to the biggest of big homies, the big Aristotle Shack. Just because I feel we should honor the big man oh, on his birthday. Sure. Also, I mean, sure the man is responsible for the John. greatest fast food combo meal in history, Mark. He Shack is Pack. Shack Pack. Mm-hmm. Responsible yeah. for the Shack Pack. He's trying to save Papa John's. All these people who work at Papa John's who thought they were going to lose their jobs because their own, because Papa John was racist. He had to kick Papa John the fuck out. They're like, we need someone else to talk to the people. Shaq. Yeah. 
True. He's a man of the people. Man of the people. I like their pizza. pineapple pizza at Papa John. I don't like their food. It's bad. <laughs> Just across <laughs> the board, man. If you got to give Is me a, a little bucket of garlic butter to dip the shit Ooh. in, you're just uh, covering up mistakes. <laughs> no, <Nah, laughs> that's delicious, man. All right. Not all places have to do it, you know, well. Okay. Some places just do it different. I mean, they do it bad, but fair enough. Um, all right. Let's get into it, guys. We have a new heavyweight champion. Um, the lineal title has been broken. We just found two dudes and said, you two for the title. Oh, wait. No, one of you, one of you wants a lot of money. Let's call the French guy. All right. You two for the title this time in March. John Jones, Stipe Miosic. Um, we talked about it. I think we both said it, Mark and I, last week. Mike, I don't know your thoughts on this, but it was pretty much, you know, I think we all we were on the same page where if this goes to the ground, Cyril's not getting up. Um, whether that meant he's going to get pounded out, submitted, or he was going to survive to the end of the round. Um, as we mentioned, he got taken down by a one ACL guy who with limited offensive wrestling at will last fight. This one... Marcus, we uh, Cyril has known since January 2022, at least for that long, that he that people know that his defensive wrestling blows. Sure. What do you think, man? How much uh, did he did he work on it? Because that was a calamity. For yeah, him. no, I mean, I think you'd be discrediting him not to mention the things he did well on the ground. I think his takedown defense is still poor. And I saw that when watching the countdown show because mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like training wrestling and the dude gets in on a double and like there's no underhooks, there's no defense and he gets taken down. And I'm like, why show that footage? Like that's not inspirational footage for your challenger mm-hmm. where he gets taken down by the training partner. But you would be dismissed to not mention that he got taken down. He did the right things. He got back to the cage. He crawled him- his way back up. That that was good stuff from Cyril. Mm-hmm. And you have to give him credit for that. He got taken down. He got back up. Now, Jones was able, you know, from the back to switch to a single, kind of like a double, and take him back down. And then that seated position was able to finish the fight. But I'm not going to sit here and say, like, the guys made no gains when I literally saw him get taken down in the middle of the octagon, but scoot back to the cage and get back to standing. So he gets. I don't think he got taken down in the middle of the octagon. I think he was, he because he swung for the punch. Jones grabbed his back and yeah. he started going towards the cage. Like that was well. I mean, he, he got a fell. Scooted. Back I mean, we're to the cage, and he got back up. Let's say, hey, let's not discredit the man. Okay, you know what? He, you, I'll say this said, then. Let you me... literally just said if he got taken down, he wouldn't get back up, and he did. He immediately got submitted. After, do you really view that? I mean, do you not view that up. as one? I mean, he did get back up. I'm not gonna lie. Statistically, yeah. he got back up. Do you not view that all as just one fucking like exchange though? Because there was no break in. It was one like grappling. He get up. You're right. He did get up. Um, yeah. He mean, showed that his defense. His defensive grappling while on the ground. What 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 happened there? Because anybody I listened to, I read about today who knows anything about jujitsu was like that was some white belt shit. Well, he was just kind of sitting there, not doing a ton with Jones grabbing his neck. What do you think happened wrong for him there? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think he's been trying to do better and i think like i said he did some good stuff to get back up i think his takedown defense is still poor and i think he found himself in a position that he probably didn't train too often i mean you could say it's some like white belt shit but like jujitsu guys don't train with a cage so they're usually not going to be in a position where they're kind of in a seated position 
where that submission will present. Well, in itself. fairness, he did say he had trained for that situation and he was angry at himself that to, he didn't. Which I don't know how. I, I mean, in fairness, you're right. I don't. It feels like John Jones has been in that position, but not other people a lot. I feel there's been other fights where John Jones is just on top of the motherfucker while they're like sitting against the cage. I mean, we've seen similar positions with like Habib and Connor, mm -hmm. where the guy will grapevine the legs and it kind of stalls them out. Now Jones was in a much better position. He was in a seated position. He was elevated above him. And again, to give Cyril some credit, not a ton. Uh, John tried the guillotine immediately and there was a little bit of hand fighting. He kind of gave it up for a second and then he got caught. Right. So I think there was, he did some things to try, but this was a big weakness of his. And we, we kind of knew like if Jones was going to initiate a grappling exchange, he'd probably be able to get him down. And if he got on top, this outcome was very likely. If it wasn't a submission, it'd be some vicious ground. You know, buddy, honestly, buddy, like I thought for this man probably worked on his wrestling. He might stop some might. But I really thought, though, once it got down there, because my biggest issue in the um, in Ganu fight wasn't even that he got taken down, but I'm like, Francis is doing nothing, really. I mean, Francis, okay, it wasn't doing entirely nothing, but, like, Francis wasn't working a lot of, like, shit from the top, and Gon mm -hmm. just couldn't get up. That was my thing where I'm like, man, Correct. I've seen Jones rip Vitor's arm apart, you know, and, like, fucking drop elbows. Whose face did he break, Mike? Remember when John Jones broke a dude's face with a giant elbow? Mike, you, Mark, you remember this? He broke someone's Who face. Was, was it uh, Vera? Brandon, Brandon Vera. Vera. He broke is. Brandon Vera's face. Um, I mean, this, by the way, was John Jones' second fastest UFC win. The other mm -hmm. one was my dude. My dude, Matyushenko. My man. Just. I also, also think I remember in his one loss, he left uh, Matt Hamill's face looking pretty red Matt as well. Matt Hamill had a dislocated shoulder mm. before John Jones even dropped their legal elbows. That was the ass whooping. Yeah. Matt that Hamill was the last like, one too. I, yeah. I don't think that one lasted too long. No, but anyway, uh, um, like he, uh, I, don't know, I lost my train. I thought we were just now, but well, I, I want to, I, you know, breaking down the fight, I, I, I'd be remiss to not point out some things. I thought John Jones looked much improved on, okay. uh, and that was his hands. Uh, I always think I've always thought he has very poor hands. I think his boxing, Personally, I think has been very poor for a guy with his kind of reach. His jab should be demolishing people. Mm. Like if he really just focused just on the jab, I think he would have so much more control in the standup. Mm. Now he didn't utilize the jab much in this fight, but what he was doing that I was very shocked with and very pleased with was he was countering low kicks with these nice right straights. And he landed a few on cereal that kind of had him not like wobbled, but had him concerned. And I think that was a smart tactical move for him to be like, yo, you're not getting leg kicks on the outside for me. Like, I'm going to throw something back. And he threw them, and he landed pretty good. So I was really impressed with that because it's one part of his stand-up, which I think has always been kind of weak, is his utilization of his extremely long reach to control that kind of long-distance range because he usually uses kicks to kind of initiate a long-distance fight. And I think with Serial, that would have been a little tricky, but he utilized those hands very well to a degree because there was one part where, like, Dude went so fucking hard for a right hook to the body. He basically spun around and, you know, Cyril wasn't really on it. He kind of did like, oh, maybe I'll do some spinning shit here. But it was basically because like he threw himself off balance. And I think Cyril, I think his game plan was really like, let's take it slow. Let's not overexert on certain places. Because a lot of times when he was throwing kicks and punches, he would try to disengage immediately. And the one time he really sat on it was when he threw the, the left straight and got taken down. Marcus, um... Listen, I mean, the best strike of the fight, right in the dick, immediately. Fight sure, starts right between like, the uprights, like right in the dick, man. By the way, we're going to talk about some of the referee stuff that happened last night. Mark, did you watch? Because I know you don't watch it that day. 
Did you watch John Jones try to get in the cage and the whole tape thing with his foot? Uh, I I heard about it later. That was like after, yeah, because I only watched just the fight, so I did hear about that. And then you know there was talk before the fight that he might have been injured. Um, and that, no, that was Chael. That was just Chael saying well, stuff. He, he heard <laughs> he heard his foot against Chael, right? Wasn't the Chael fight the one that his bones? Well, I like, guess what happened with the tape long ago, though. Yeah, what happened with the tape apparently was like he's like I normally use this one company's tape, but I didn't have it, so I used the UFC's tape. And the UFC's tape, when I started getting a sweat, immediately started like slipping off. So he's like, I kind of like made a thing around my foot, like a cast of it, right? And then like they're like, and then I got out there and there was a problem with the tape. And he's like, and I just want to say, if you don't let me tape my foot, there's no fight. Like he apparently told them mm-hmm. like, there's going to be tape on these toes, no matter what you do to me. Like there's not going to be a fight, which I'm like, yeah, what are they going to do? They're not going to stop the fight. This is Nevada. There's too much money. They're not going to do anything. Um, Mike, um, let me tell you, and I, and this is, I, I go to Mark for the X's and O's a lot of times, Mike, I go for you, go to you for the story here. So I, I like before, like as the week went on, I started thinking like, like you seem pretty confident about John Jones too, if I remember correctly. But as the week is going on, I'm just like, I'm listening to John Jones and I'm looking at what's like, what's happened the last few years. And I'm just like, my, my, I created a storyline in my head, buddy. So this is what happened. John Jones kick Cormier upside his fucking head, right? Then his next fight, he beat Alec, He beat up Alexander Gustafson, that last guy who had a questionable win over. And then mm-hmm. the UFC's like, I'm going to ask you to fight Anthony Smith, who's got like... He kind of, he kind of became a fighting champ like Cody he when he bored. had the TNT uh, championship. He slayed both of his rivals. The challenge was gone. They're like, we want you to fight this fighter from who was a, like a middleweight in strike force. Less 12 career losses or whatever. Let's take five of him. Oh, we want you to fight this Brazilian guy that nobody knows and you're not going to sell any pay-per-views next, Tiago Santos. Oh, we want you to fight this 11-0 kid from Fresno, Dominic Reyes. And these fights were getting closer. I think he got bored. This man's an idiot in his life, generally, right? Mm-hmm. In every aspect of his life. But yeah, in that yeah. cage, he's a fucking fighting genius. He's not going to lose. And he had a new challenge. And when he's coming out to his shitty walkout music, <laughs> which how is it this bad, by the way? Like of all the ones he's given, his he's chosen. Excuse as, me. Huh? The champ is here by Jadakus is not shitty. That's not the shit. That part. remix craps. Yeah. That remix is shitty. Look, I'm not even trying to disrespect Fifty Cent because it's not like I dislike all Fifty Cent songs. Just dislike that Fifty Cent song. <laughs> Wait, does he still? I thought he came out to the champ is here. He came out. To, no, the beginning uh, is the Lord, champ is here. Lord give me style. Lord, Lord, Lord give me grace. Yeah, that, that shit. Song? Yeah, he does that stuff. It ain't my fault. Yeah, that crap. Anyway, um, what do you think of my theory that this man just needed another challenge? And also, what did you think of the man being back? <laughs> so. I think that you're also couching this with some 2020 hindsight. I think it was absolutely fair for people to have questions about John Jones going into this fight. Um, If not just because it was, what, three years from his last fight and he was coming up to fight in heavyweight for his first fight after three years. And it was a guy who was the number one contender. Even if you are one of the greatest of all times, that's that's a lot just in and of itself. And in regards to um, 
viewing how his last few fights were um, after the Gus fight, that string where he didn't look exactly, you know, impressive or how he did when, you know, he was just tearing through the UFC when he first came in. That's fair. Like in, in hindsight, looking back, yeah, he was bored. But at the time you're thinking, well, has he lost a step? Um, have people caught up to him? Because, you know, Always happens. Justifiably, you know, a lot of people think Dominic Reyes won that fight. Um, so I think, yeah, now you can look back and say um, that he was bored. Um, but I think I think it's fair to go in thinking, I don't know. I still thought he was going to win. Uh -huh. But there's a reason why I didn't have him in my five-fight five parlay. I just didn't want to touch that. After three years off, and he's going up to, to heavyweight. There's there's also this before before uh, before you say something, Bobby. He also kind of went back to basics. He had much like he showed some improved striking, which I would hope he did after three years of fucking being away. Mm. I'm assuming he wasn't just out here whooping. You know, I'm not even gonna go there. Um, I'm assuming he you know I'm had improved to. skills, but he also kind of had a back to the basics approach where he looked like John of old while he, when he was coming up. What was the first thing he did? He was like, fuck this. I'm going to go for the takedown. I know I'm better at this dude than this. I was a pretty damn good wrestler on the come up in the UFC. Yeah, let me use this. And it looked like the John of old, except, you know, 50 pounds more or something. You know what, man? He said something years ago, and I think we all are on the same page with this, with this sport. The, Higher we're going up in the weight classes, these guys aren't as technically skilled. Like, on average. We're not, not, obviously, there's exceptions. Cyril's an excellent heavyweight man. He moves fast. He's got all this stuff, speed and shit. He might be faster than John on, right, right now. He weighed the same amount. I think John was maybe a couple pounds heavier. Um, by the way, I think I'd like John more like, I don't think he needs to be that big. I know he's dealing with like a serious, like, powerlifting. Motherfucker as his coach. It's not like he just went out there and ate Pringles and like Doritos, but I don't think he needs to be 250 to beat people up in this weight class. But, um, I mean, he kind of did it <laughs> on Saturday, but he didn't really. I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll see what happens when he fights like a human bear, like Curtis Blades. But so he came out, right? And I knew Greg Jackson was going to be in his corner because I read an article saying that it was just Winkle John that he separated from and like. John Jones is a, like, he watches a lot of film, right? And Greg Jackson watches a ton of film. And I'm like, they're going to be prepared for this guy. And they all, like, they're all going to nitpick that fight with Francis 75 different ways. And John kept talking about how this guy isn't a complete fighter. He got taken down at will by Francis, with who has one fucking knee and not a wrestler, right? And I just kind of believed him. And then also, like, I'm just like, okay, like, the only thing he's missing is Winkle John. I know that Brandon Gibson's his striking coach anyway. Um... And there's that cool video, by the way, of uh, Henry Cejudo literally predicting, telling John how this fight's going to fucking go, basically. that's Henry's a good coach here as well. But And I saw uh, Mrs. Jones was in the court, was in, well, when he came out, I saw Mrs. Jones, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, the guy's got his well, family I mean, still. Not yet. Future, not Mrs. Yet. Well, she's always, yeah. you know what I meant, his partner. But she's been his, like, I'm like, oh, because I'm like, I saw her and I'm like, well, she stands out. She's wearing a pink, pink dress and next to his brothers and dad. And I'm like, oh. Okay, they reconciled. I'm like, all right, man, this guy, like, seems real confident. He's got his family. Got his, you know, his partner is with him. Like, he's got most of his team there with him. They're all, 
And like he just looked when he like was doing that. He came out and he does that spinning arms thing sometimes. Like he's like, like Bell from fucking you know Beauty and the Beast and the ballroom just swinging over his arms. That's what he's doing. Okay, don't act like you don't like Beauty and the Beast. Um, no, it's just I've I've never thought of well, Bell from Beauty and the Beast when John Jones does that. I mean, the other one I was gonna the other one I was gonna go was Julie Andrews in Sound of Music with the arms out, <laughs> but but uh, like when he was doing that, I'm like, oh, this dude is so at home out here, man, and like. Look, it's the day. It's two days after the fight. We're all waiting for the fucking, you know, the other shoe to drop, right? Like we've all seen this happen enough times. Because there was that. Like Dana White was like, I told uh, our COO to charter a plane and get John Jones home to Albuquerque immediately, safe and sound. Because like, man. John Jones had an after party that night. Yeah, he did. Like, he had a, a hosted half the party. So. <laughs> we so, don't drink no so. more, apparently, right? Yeah, sure. Um, he wants Stepe next. Stipe's interview after the fight, my man went gave the most mouthful of marbles, nonsensical, half paying attention, not caring interview to Megan O'Leary that's ever been on a broadcast, guys. He's like, "Yeah, we love this fight, like July, sure, uh, find him, Marcus." So, the, so, so a normal Stipe. Yeah, basically, Marcus. I feel Stipe must be like forty years old now, but he is, he is forty. He hasn't I think fought so. since. That's what I heard. He hasn't. He definitely hasn't fought since Francis iced him, right? That was last fight. Mm-hmm. That was like three years ago, probably for him now, right? Two years ago. What do you think of that matchup for John? I mean, I we I think we imagine it's going to be a little bit more, you know, difficult. But what do you think about Stipe as an opponent for John? Yeah, I think stylistically, it's it's much more appealing than this fight is. But I think going into this fight, there was a lot of question marks, right? Um, and to your point earlier about John living in the moment, it, it was weird because watching, I did watch the countdown, um, and I hate this, not even the countdown, it was the, the, um, the day by day, the vlogs or whatever. Embedded. Embedded, yeah. And for a guy that has played this game a lot where it's like, oh, I'm actually training, I'm actually trying this hard, and we know after the fact, like, no, he wasn't. Mm-hmm. He hardly trained for any of his fights. I did legitimately believe him. And that that could be like it, it, for me, it, it feels dirty to say that because like this dude, dude, me too, me five times. Not, I felt like a su- I felt like me. a sucker, bro. Honestly, because I was like, but I it, believe all this. <laughs> but it was it was previous. I he didn't come off as mm-hmm. um, authentic what he was saying. It, it seemed like he was just saying the things that we wanted to hear, and we kind of knew like it didn't seem right. And, and a lot of his interviews and stuff, it just like and something always felt a little off. Um, but for whatever reason, this time it did seem like he was actually focused, that he had these training partners, Maurice Green and Walt Harris and these guys that were actually motivating him. And he was actually putting in the work, which he hadn't done. So, I mean, th- that is a big wrinkle because he's he's already – and again, it goes back to your point, Bobby. Like this this dude's fight screamed of the gifted child in the public school system. He's bored. He's not trying. He's still succeeding. He needs to put minimal effort in to still be – successful right and then with that boredom he's falling into these traps of drinking too much doing drugs not having the whole focus of his life really being his career you know and watching some of these embedded's, you know and at the time it seemed like yeah his kids and his wife's gone he just lives in this little man cave with all his belts and his posters and this was such a good fight for him to come back from three years because it's like you're fighting for the heavyweight champion. This is going to solidify your career. Because look, he's already mastered light heavyweight. And he's he's already going to be a legend. But doing this and being both would really make him the GOAT that he, he sees himself as. I mean, yeah, I was about to ask you. Is he the GOAT? 
Did that do it for you? If he uh, wasn't already? I mean, why why even like put a thing on it now? Like, let's see what he does. Like, I think I think you know. Well, let's see how who the rest is your of his goat, career. I guess plays. if it's not him right now, do you have one right now? I mean, I, I that stuff I always feel is very trivial. Mm -hmm. Like, who's the greatest? Because it's like it's going to change. Who? Because you can say like, oh, Fedor was like the most dominant heavyweight champion, but like you know he wasn't always fighting top competition. Um, but I mean, I, I think it, that's a very easy case to make, yeah. right? I think you can also talk about Habib at 155, which I think is the most talent-rich division, and him never having an L. But you know, you look at three titles as L and it's not it's not super legit because it was in, an illegal blow that didn't really stop the fight and he has a no you contest know, because he popped my my uh my goat I guess was GSP and a lot of it was the fact that Mike when he came back from like a three was a three-year layoff when he came back to take the yep. title off Bisping I remember thinking how impressive it was that this guy went up in weight and like it didn't matter who the champion was he took the chance I know we're like Michael Bisping wasn't that strong champion or whatever but like <laughs> it matters a little to me <laughs> no but like he still did it like he, he, it was yeah. also like the time off to take, come back and fight an elite fighter. Sure. A top, I, I think yeah. more to the point, he looked good. Like, but yeah. it, it did, it did scream a lot of like Randy Couture when Tim Sylvia was champion. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, I'll go take that belt. That dude's weak as fuck. I but like, yeah. totally beat that guy. But like, and then I, when he, and I thought like, man, I thought Jones doing something like this. And I know he didn't beat the champion, but he bit, he beat a whatever, whatever Cyril was ranked two, probably behind mm -hmm. Stipe or whatever, yeah. maybe. I him. think he was one. Might I, have mean, been one. I think for the fight, they made him one, yeah. Sure. They just moved that shit. Who cares? But, like, he exactly. beat, a, he beat a, a, a top three, top what he thought he beat. And he did that, and he did it. He looked amazing doing it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the book of John Jones is long. It's got a lot of chapters, and there's some are good ones, some are bad ones. I mean, this is the guy who... Man, it was a long time ago that he had the he had the hit and run with the pregnant lady. Remember that one? We had a lot of jokes on that. Remember when he uh, hid under the ring from the drug tester? That was a real story. That really happened. That's he, a good did one. That. he did do That's that. That's a good one. one. No one gets hurt. You in remember that one. when he had like two or three domestic abuse issues with his partners? I mean, the one with his wife was in Vegas when he had. You can watch him headbutt a cop on Twitter. The clip. I was watching the clip yesterday. There he is. I fucking hate that, you. That was Boom. a low point because he. <laughs> He was emotionally wrong. Yeah. That one, right? Why wasn't he screaming like, "Why are you doing that this like to me?" Like, that honestly, was... it looked like he broke. Yeah. That looked like honestly, yeah. if like if he all of a sudden gets his shit together, like he's okay now somehow, which the odds look yeah. aren't in his favor. We hope he didn't. He's not going to be a fuck up anymore. But Mark, that could have been the moment. Like if he like gets fixed, I'm going to be like, "Oh, that was the moment where he like felt the branch creak finally." I, <laughs> I could imagine rewatching that video is very humbling. Yeah. To be at the stage where he is, where he probably felt kind of invincible and can kind of do and get away with anything. To be in that moment where it's supposed to be like his big night, he's in the Hall of Fame, whatever, and to have that happen to you and just kind of – it was just sad. It was just a sad moment. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I still want to believe that he could be all the things that he said he was going to be when he first started. He could be an icon. He could be an inspiration. And he's living some of that, but, like, time will tell, right? And Get, I, I think, but get I think, us Francis Ngannou. Go get us. Make this – well, I, I know it's not going to uh, happen. I need to see that fight. According to Dana, he'll never be in the UFC again. I know we so. got we got fucking Conor McGregor, who two months ago was accused of assaulting someone so badly she jumped off a fucking boat to get away from him, right in the front row with Jake Gyllenhaal. Which That's wild, yeah. son. By the way, That's wild. What happened to me too? The Hollywood people are better than us. I thought better than the MMA people. <laughs> we were we. I thought we avoid the people who. I'm not saying Conor did these things, but he's been accused of sexual assault by more than one person. 
just putting that out there. Yeah, bro. Yeah. The, C, the, C, the CEO smacked the shit out of his wife. Yeah, like, yeah, two yeah. Months ago. The, the, the bar is different that? on what is acceptable. But and what the is actors, not. We, I thought, learned, like, I don't know. But we, what we learned is that, like, yeah, criminal charges, hitting your partner, that stuff's not deal breakers for the UFC. Asking for health care. No, 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 yeah. no. That gets you kicked out forever. You know, how dare you even assim- like, you know, ask for freedom of contract and stuff like that. That's that's a deal breaker. So Take your wife, whatever. We, we all do that. Right. We all get taped. Sometimes we get drunk and we slap our wife three times and nothing comes of it. If this, mean, was, a, if if any, this was a popular if anything, podcast, people would have clipped that off, Mark, just for you. That would have been like if, a little clip. If anything, Dana White, I mean, reckless, spe- reckless speculation here. He's probably like, yo, good, yo. Connor, Connor, you know, get the heat off of me. Has to jump off of a <laughs> boat to escape him. Ooh, this makes for really good leverage because now I can lowball him a little. That little woman beater. Yeah, that's what Honey, it is. Make me a sandwich. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> we we we've steered into so some bad so uh, before we move myself. on, Cyril gone. Um, it's not me. People aren't giving it being as nuanced about it as you are, Mark. This was a bad night for him, sure. career-wise. I I don't want to throw his, his coach under the bus entirely because that man helped get Francis Ngannou to the UFC and he helped get Cyril Gon get to the UFC and stuff, but he has coached in three title fights. He has three, not, not, not interim title fights, three title fights. He coached Francis against Stipe the first fight. He coached Cyril versus Ngannou. He fought any coach, Cyril versus Jones, right? All three Did of those. Did he fight Stipe? Huh? and Stipe fought? No, no. Um, Nganu and Stipe. He was Nganu's coach back then, I'm saying. Oh, oh okay. I'm okay. talking about Fernand Lopez, head coach of uh, whatever right, the name right, that right. team is in. Fight Factory, I think. In all three of those fights, it feels like he was outcoached. You know what I mean? It feels like he got outcoached by the other guy's coach. I'm putting this a thing we always hear in like f- football and shit, but you guys know what I mean? Like it feels like his yeah. fighter wasn't as prepared for the possibilities of the fight in all three of them. Cause in the first one, Francis looked like he didn't consider the possibility. This motherfucker might be here after three minutes, you know, and the fight with gone and gone and uh, Francis, it looked like Cyril didn't consider a possibility that this one legged man is going to take me down. And in this one, Maybe I don't know. Just maybe it was just that it was a bad position, Mark. But like, it looked once they got on the ground, it wasn't. I mean, I know it's not easy to get better that quickly, but I think he needs to bring other people into that gym, and either that or he's got to go find some sort of reciprocal relationship with a gym that's got a more grappling based style. Because I think anybody fights his fight, fights Cyril Gone next, is going to shoot a double leg within two seconds. That is the play. I don't care. They hit it with the tie to Ivasa fight. We, we all talked about it. Remember, we're like, this is not the fight we wanted to see Cyril in after the Nganu one, but we recognize it's a main event in France. You want him to win the fucking fight. Right. There's, I don't care who he fights next. They're taking him down. And, like, they got to come up with a plan here. That's just my two cents. Mark, what do you think? Because, like, that team has got a hole. Like, there's a big glaring hole, it feels like, that that far. Sure. I mean, it's not necessarily something that is necessarily new to European fighters. Mm-hmm. It's There's not a wrestling base. There's not a lot of talent in that part of the world when, you know, unless you're talking about, you know, East European, where you talk about you know, the Dagestanis and stuff who were very good. But, yeah, I mean, that's always been a glaring omission. You know, it took England a long time to get their fighters kind of 
acclimated because the circuits around there don't utilize wrestling and ground fighting as much. Uh, you know, the biggest organization back in the day was um, Too Hot to Handle. They had a, I think it was like a 30 second limit on the ground, right? They didn't want, they don't care about the ground fighting at all. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's a huge hole. Whoever he fights next, as long as they have the amplitude to be able to take the fight to the ground, I think they will. You know, if he fights like a Derek Lewis or something, I don't necessarily think he's going to be super skilled at that. It might be because I don't think Cyril Gaon is like his footwork, I think, negates some of the sloppier wrestlers from being able to get in positions to shoot in on him like Jones did. Jones did. And again, we're, I mean, we're also talking about like Jones is one of the most superior grapplers like in the game. I yeah. think that's. That's why he wasn't. That's why we don't think he was doing good in light heavyweight title fights because he stopped grappling altogether. He just was kickboxing, which he wasn't good at. So, yeah, I mean, we'll have to see who they style him up with next. Because do we protect you know, if he him? goes against? Why do we, sorry to cut you off. Know, but do we, I mean, like, do we have? Do we just open the French market and who you got besides him and like in the top of their weight classes? You got him, and then you got um, Faro down at the flyweight, who's a top three fighter. I don't know how many other French fighters they have, like, near the top of the card, right? No, well, I thought you were going to talk about who to, to pair him up with. No, no, I'm think... thinking, like, do they protect him? And maybe they give him, like, I was about to look up, has he fought the biggie boy? Or someone, like, do we protect him a little I bit? Think they, I think I think they did. Okay. But I think, I think a fight that would be in line with where they're at, but would still stylistically be in Gon's favor is, who's that new Russian cat? Serge, Sergei, whatever, the, the guy that's bombing people out. You want to give him Pavlovich? Pavlovich, I think, That's is the guy one, that bro. is up there, right? It will if Pavlovich beats him, right? Then it's like, oh, you you get a title shot next, and it's also a fight for Gone, where it's like, because look, if they put him against Curtis Blades, yeah, he's gonna get taken down and, and demolished, right? I'm trying to think other guys at heavyweight. Uh, how about the other Sergey? How about because Pavlovich is three already, like he was the one who was the mm -hmm. alternate for this fight. What's the Spivak? Maybe who the Spivak just beat up? Um, who did you just fought? We just saw him fight somebody. He beat up Derek Lewis. He made him tap out and like. Something. Yeah, maybe that. Maybe that one. Like a, that's on, it, it really depends on what how the UFC values him, right? Like if they think they can still make something out of him and use him to sell, you know, another event in France or something, they'll give him someone who's standing up. If they really want to be like, "Yo, this is UFC sink or swim, dog," you're going up against Curtis Blades, or like you said, that that other Russian cat who's also you know very skilled in grappling. I don't think he's going to swim in those situations. He's going to sink. Um, and again, it all has to do with like you're looking at him train. Dude gets in on a on a double leg, and like he's not digging in underhooks. He doesn't know like the basic fundamentals of how to stop a takedown. So you can't just rely on not being there for a shot because at some point you have to plant your. I mean, it, lo it looks down. like they knew what they had, honestly, because I'm looking at the, the path we gave him to get mm -hmm. up here. Because I mean, when he's on the undercard fighting random guys, fine, but like. Tanner Boser is not a wrestler. Junior Dos Santos isn't a wrestler. Biggie Boy isn't a wrestler. Volkov isn't a wrestler. Derek Lewis isn't a wrestler. They right. knew what they were doing. Like this was like this was like Conor McGregor getting to a title shot where they're like, let's keep him away from the Americans until like you know we have to. Like we gotta see, man. Because I mean, yeah, uh, Curtis Blades would just wet blanket him, man. That's the whole fight, you know. Though Derek Lewis, but though Curtis Blades does find ways to blow it randomly in these fights, so you never know. Um, all right, we got to go because we're 35 minutes in. We haven't talked about the fucking only upset of the whole card. Mm -hmm. We got a new women's flyweight champion, boys. Viva Mexico. Viva Jalisco. Alexa Grasso went out there and nobody gave her a fucking chance. No, don't let anybody lie to you. Like nobody. We were, nope. we were all at Aaron Blanchfield. Remember, we were at Aaron Blanchfield. We're at fucking Faroe. We're at Talia Santos because we're like. 
she's just not good enough anywhere to get this done. Mark? Yeah. yeah. I mean, actually, I went to Mark. Let's go, Mike. Mike, Valentina got hit with that jab somewhere. I got hit with it. Was it a jab or a right straight early in that fight? That all of a sudden, you saw the look on her face change like, okay. I need to get on the ground with this woman. Like, I got to take her down. <laughs> well, Bobby, the only play-by-play -play with any detail I can give you is I'm having a lot of trouble opening this bottle. When it comes to that <laughs> fight, I fell asleep in the walk-ins. Mark. As I said in the pre-meeting. Fair point. <laughs> I thought you saw the beginning of maybe. All right, Mark, what, uh, what do you got? He's drowsy. <laughs> um, I mean, no, I would even say I think a lot of people are kind of talking about Valentina made a mistake mm. late in the fight that cost her the fight. But I think, again, you'd be discredit discrediting Alexa for what she did. And I still think she was losing the fight. Oh, yeah, 2-1 on every, on every think, judge, I think, 2-1. Right, and I think she asserted herself much more than I thought she was. And it did come in that first round where a lot of people thought she won, and I, I agree with them, because yeah. she, she tagged Valentina. But it was also the tactic she used by going southpaw that completely negate a lot of Valentina's strengths, which was utilizing the range with her kicks. Body kicks, setting up head kicks, going to the legs. When she was in southpaw, all of her rear leg kicks really weren't being utilized. She had to use her front leg, and it kind of threw her off. She really didn't utilize her skills as well. She kind of had to resort to boxing, and I do think she did pretty well there. Like she was, you know, landing good jabs on Alexa, and then obviously the takedowns. You know, and that's something that some people can say, like, oh, well, Alexa tagged her, made her become a wrestler real quick. That's also just being a smart mixed martial artist, you know, like why take the path of most most resistance if you can utilize your wrestling and take it down and win rounds that way. So that was a tactical adjustment. But I do think that style of fighting wore her down a little bit. And even in the last round, she throws she uh, Valentina threw a spinning kick before that. And the booth kind of said, like, yeah, that spinning kick was kind of telegraphed. It was a little slow. And I do think it's kind of humorous, too, that. After the fight, everyone's like, oh, that's why you don't throw spinning shit. That's like amateur or whatever. But it's like no one was saying that before. She would demolish girls with her spinning Dude, kick. It was one of her best it utilized was, weapons. It was a good fight. The other person, look, Alexa. Okay, let me put it this way. They're going to do the immediate rematch, Mark. And I don't think it matters because I think Aaron Blanchfield's licking, licking her chops at both of these women right now, I think, to be honest. Because um, if Alexa makes it to a second fight with Valentina... I don't know how quickly you can get that good at takedown defense because their takedown defense looked not awesome, I'd say. Mix Grosso, she mm -hmm. was getting taken down fairly easily most of the fight there. She did stop some. Um, by the way, that stand-up was terrible. Like, everybody, I, I was happy that the crowd booed the stand-up. Was it the third round, Mark, I think, where Herzog yeah, seemed like he got more like and, and, like, stood him up, and everybody's like, the fuck was that? Um, yeah, that was a, that was a strange one. I liked Valentina post fight interview. Did you, did you hear it at all? Valentina, no, well, she was just like, "Yeah, she was like, it's nice that we have some excitement at flyweight." It's <laughs> true, but she's like, but she was more like, "Congratulations to her, I made a mistake," because she viewed it as like, "I sure. she thought she thought she won all three rounds." She's mistaken. I mean, they were close, right? The first round was close, but she definitely didn't. I didn't think she won mm -hmm. it. At least most people didn't seem to think so. But, like, she wants an immediate rematch, and Alexa's like, Alexa was like, of course, she's earned it. She's got more yep. straight title defenses than anybody, any woman ever. She had eight straight title yep. defenses. Let's do it again, man. Sure. Um, Here's the question, though, Mike. Before beginning of this year, we talked about in this podcast that we had four Mexicans fighting for titles. We had Brandon Moreno fighting for a title. We had Yari Rodriguez fighting for a title. 
We had, uh, and then we had Alexa Grasso fighting for a title. And at the time, we had rumors of were pretty strong that was going to be on this card even that Amanda Nunes was going to fight Irene Aldana. Don't know what happened to that fight necessarily, Mike. But I mean, if they booked that fight, we just got to bet on Aldana for just for the prophecy, right? We got three Mexican champions in two months. <laughs> It seems like La Raza is on a pretty good win streak to start 2023 when it comes to UFC gold. I mean, we're going to Mexico City, right, buddy? Like, we got three champions. Which ones are we sending to Mexico City to defend their titles? Which of these three? You got to be the ones mm. who are going to win, right? <laughs> it's, I, I feel like it has to be the ones that are straight up from Mexico, right? Because I think Brandon Moreno is Mexican-American, right? No, Brandon's from, Brandon's from Tijuana. Oh, but is, I is, think like, so. is he from Tijuana, where he's like born there, but was basically raised here? Or I thought all three. Of the, I know. Well, I know for sure Alexis from Guadalajara. Um, I think all three of them actually grew up straight up in Mexico. Uh, yeah, he, uh, Yair grew up in Chihuahua. Uh, Brandon grew up in Tijuana. Such a wholesome man to grow up in such a not wholesome place. Um, yeah, buddy, we got Brandon fighting and uh, Pantoja. We got Yair against Volkanovsky for the full title. And we probably, and we got, uh, let's assume it's happening, Alexa Grasso defending against Valentina. Assuming they don't do a I mean, three. Hey, do we do three, all, all three? That's what I was about to say. Dude, Why you're not, not? going to sleep. How, <laughs> you're how not often, <laughs> outside of when the Brazilians were running the sport, Right. And, I mean, you know, America, I'm sure at some point we've had, you know, a bunch of American champs. Yeah. But how often have we had, um, you know, a non-Brazilian nationality have three championships in the UFC? I mean, I, don't, I think the close. I don't think it's happened before. Right? I think the close. We, we had two Nigerians. But no, the, the Francis is Cameroon. So, yeah, you're right. Like, I, I don't think we've had. And that might just be ethnicity. I don't think Izzy was born there. So like yeah, Izzy, Izzy, I think was born in Nigeria, but oh. he emigrated to New Zealand. Um, I think before he was a teenager. You know they haven't been back to Mexico for a pay per view since. So they did one pay per view in Mexico, which was uh, Verdum versus Hunt, and that was supposed to be Verdum mm -hmm. versus Kane, but Kane got hurt and Verdum and Hunt took Kane got hurt. Hunt took the fight on short notice, and then they did do Kane versus Verdum in Mexico. Since then, they've been back to Mexico. Haven't done a uh, title, uh, done a pay-per-view there. Marcus, all three? Do we do a three-title fight thing and take advantage of this? Because I, I think ideally, if, if they could, if the mm. time They all just up. won the belts. Like, within two months of each other, they all won the belts, it seems like. so. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that would be really interesting. I mean, I, I do always think it's difficult to maneuver certain belts at certain times, given, like, I don't know how, how, health every, how healthy everyone's doing or whatever. I think that'd be great i think they at least need two but they could probably get away with one um i think they're again, booked like, through, i think they're booked right now their way they're talking probably because they're talking jones and stipe in july and they were talking about some may pay-per-view already and june would be pretty quick i'm thinking maybe like if they could pull this off for august in mexico city that'd be a big show that'd be a huge show for them man this is how hot does it get there well they're indoors i think stadio and the whatever is, i mean I, th I think it'd be interesting i think it'd be great i mean obviously that's been a market they've been trying to get into and i think too like when you guys are talking about oh other nationalities like they have not really been going to african countries to promote the sport right like we they just happen to yeah. got those i mean they should there's a lot of places they should go but they haven't they've been trying to penetrate 
Mexico for a while. So they do have all this t- talent. You can have uh, Brian Ortega on the card too. Um, I think it'd be great to have all three. Um, I do think all three of them have pretty steep challenges ahead of them. Like yeah. Yair and, and Alex, I think it's very tough fight for Yair to win. And then even this one with Valentino, I think is going to be a difficult one to get. They, they, they might only come out with one belt, if any. At right. the end of that I, night. And I think Brandon is probably like the most likely, but he already lost to Panjo. Panjo so like, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I think that'd be great. You know, it, the, all these stars aligned. Why not cash in while you can? Because I don't know how long it's going to last, unfortunately. Marcus, we got to get going here. We're already 44 minutes of this podcast. My dude, the legend, the man we learned a lot about, I think, too. Shavkat Rachmanov, man. Mm-hmm. Went in there against Jeff Neal. Jeff Neal missed weight by five pounds. Yeah. I love Jeff Neal. Well, I don't, okay, I love the way Jeff Neal fights. I don't love Jeff Neal being excited he has to pay less child support. That was a thing he did like last month on Twitter. It was real weird. It was a real weird thing to celebrate. He might be because you make such a paltry income, Jeff. You think about it? Hands of stone, Jeff Neal. Um, Mark, it seems like Shavkat was aware of the nickname, Hands of Steel. And to be clear, this is like a nickname that's well-earned. He's got a lot of knockouts. Seemed like Shavkat didn't give a fuck about Jeff Neal's hands because he was getting cracked. What did you think, man? I mean, I still think this is this is the champion in waiting of this weight class. I still think Shavkat's taking this title. But what did you think of the performance overall? Mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty good, but we definitely saw some weaknesses, right? And even though, like, there were certain things he was doing that wasn't great, and it was mostly like, yeah, his... His avoidance of strikes, he was doing a lot of pull encounters where, you know, he'd like to 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 lean back a little bit to try to evade the punches. And to some degree, that can work really well. If you can get the spacing just right where you can just lean back and have the guy just miss you and you're still in the pocket and you can counter, which he did multiple times pretty well, you know, that's a pretty good technique to use um, to, you know, stay in range and be able to utilize the mistake of them missing encounter and counter punch. But also like he was getting tagged too. Um, but he did show a lot of resilience, uh, getting hit, uh, a really strong chin and really just like, you can tell he was completely focused in the fight. Like his eyes were on the dude when, you know, the, the commentary is making a big deal about his mouthpiece fell out and like, he didn't care. Like he just kept fighting. Um, and funny. ultimately he won like this. And it was, it was one of these things like when we go about the rest of the card, which we probably will go much faster. Everyone that we thought would win did win. But we did see multiple fights where, like, it wasn't easy. Yeah. This was not an easy fight for him. Jeff Neal really gave him a lot of things to worry about and contend with. Um, he didn't seem deterred by any of it. You know, he really didn't seem like he felt out of control. He was winning. I think he won every round. I think I think, I think he for sure won every round. And by the way, that was a – he still got a – let me tell you, buddy. Before Valentino ruined a lot of bets for me, the same – those same bets included Shavkat inside the distance. And I'm just like – Motherfucking Jeff Neal. He's going to survive. He's going to survive. Mike, I just heard, I was listening to a podcast earlier, refer to the choke that Shafcat got as the bouncer choke. And that made me laugh quite a bit. But it seemed like a good I think, name. I think I heard that the day of, uh, the day, of, I think I said it on the podcast. Bodca- oh, the I broadcast. heard, uh, maybe I heard it on Ben Folks' podcast, but like, I love that thing. Buddy, this guy just took out the number seven guy and finished him. What do we do? Because we got Camaro and Leon fighting. We probably have to give him one more. These are the guys in this weight class that are underneath Camaro and Leon. Covington, where the fuck is he? Chimaev, is he a welterweight? Bilal, was Bilal booked? 
Bilal really doesn't oh, want to fight uh, Gilbert I Burns. So. Next is Gilbert Burns. Oh. Then is Wonder Boy. You cannot do this to Wonder Boy. We cannot slow play it and make Wonder Boy fight Shavcat, right? Like, guys, nah, right? We can't that, do this. Wonder Boy doesn't him, deserve him, that. Give him Wonder Boy. Don't um, do that. Why are we doing that to Wonder Boy? You have no heart. Wonder Boy is old and finished, man. Wonder right? Boy is. We're trying to. We're trying. We're trying to get a name for this dude, all right? And beating a dude that was a UFC title contender at one point—that's the perfect way to do it, man. I. That's rough, Marcus. What would you do with him? I want to see Covington. I think Covington is one of these guys that. That's what I want to see too. <laughs> he hasn't gotten, you know, he hasn't been the bell of the ball just yet, but he's he's been at the dance a couple times and and it has asserted himself pretty well. I mean, his fights with Usman. You know, there was definitely times where I think he was doing pretty good in those fights. Now he got cracked and he, he lost both of them. But I think that would be a good measuring stick. And if uh, Shemcat can really put a beating on him, that would be pretty impressive. And I think skill-wise, you know, they have a lot of similarities. I mean, obviously Covington's a strong wrestler. He's a guy that isn't afraid to throw punches. So he's going to try to overwhelm him. And we've seen, you know, with, with Shemcat, like, he's not necessarily going to curl up. He's going to try to counter in the pocket. So I think it'd be an entertaining fight. And I think it's... It's that thing, like he beats Covington. There's really no doubt, even though there's no doubt right now. But it's a big name that if he gets past, I think. So I guess he asked for Wonder Boy, and Wonder Boy's policy is he's, <laughs> he says he's not fighting grapplers. He says I'm too old. I'm not mm. trying to win a title. Basically, he's like I'm just here to like, not, I'm not fighting a grappler. That's why I'm why I'm sure. here anymore. And Shaftcat sent him a message saying, "Who's a grappler now, Wonder Boy?" And Wonder Boy is just like. Just because you went 0-4 on takedowns doesn't make you not a grappler. Congratulations on your win, though. Must, must love. Well, so Wonderboy has no interest in getting beat up by uh, the fucking lion out there. Um, yeah, man. Give him one more. I don't care who it is. Let's get him inside. You put him on a pay-per-view with John Jones. Everybody who was on this pay-per-view was on a piss pay-per-view for a fucking reason. You know what I mean? They were on this pay-per-view for a reason. I think Jalen Turner was on this pay-per-view to win when it was against Brad Riddell. All the respect in the world taking this Mateus Gamrot fight, Mark. We all thought it was going to be pretty tough. Mike, did you have it for Gamrot when it was over? I did. That was probably, I mean, how the fuck does Jalen Turner make 155 pounds? He is six foot three. Oh, what? How? I don't get it, man. <laughs> I'm trying to get Jaylen, it. Is Jalen Turner young? Because I feel like that's only something that, like, 22-year-olds who are that disproportionately 27. tall compared to their weight um, can do. 27. So, yeah, I'll give that, like, two more years. That's I was going to say, yeah, good. that's... He was on a five-fight win streak. He did not have to take that fight, man. This got it became a much... He said that he assumed Brad Riddell was going to take him... No, he thought he assumed Dan Hooker was going to take him down anyway. So it's not that much of a chain to fight this, change this kind of wrestler. There's no way he's that stupid, right? Like, he didn't just, like, assume this is the same type of wrestler as Dan Hooker who doesn't wrestle, right? Mike? Uh, no, yeah. Um, but I think part of it is also... You know some of these some of these fighters they're they're not thinking as I don't want to say logically but just as matter of factly as we are uh, to them and I think to do what they do they gotta have an inflated or you know an inflated uh, self worth so for him he probably thought that he could he could still find a way to find a way to get the win. I think people are being um, a little bit harsh on Gamrot Marcus just that like. He took a fight on short notice here, man. So, like, he got a decision. It is what it is. I think, honestly, him getting a win is impressive on short notice. Jalen Turner's a good fighter. Just on to the next one. See what he can do next. Because he just I think he just beat, like, a 
round number 10 or 11 guy in Turner, I'm assuming. What do we do now? Yeah, I mean, he's been hovering around this 10 spot for a while, mm -hmm. um, but also has been having a hard time cracking it too, right? Like really getting these legitimate wins. I think this is this was a good, strong win for him against a ranked guy, but, you know, he lost on his main event, you know, big out, coming out party, which was th that for me because I didn't really know who the hell he was. Yeah, Benil got um, him. And then didn't, yeah. And he, then, beat, uh, he beat Armin, then he lost to Benil, I think. That's right, that's yeah. right. I, I always get them confused. Um, So, yeah, I mean, this is course correcting but it also like wasn't the most impressive victory yeah like you said like it, it was a tough opponent this is another one where it's like the guy that we thought would win did win um but it wasn't pretty and i do i am starting to get more concerned about like how valuable is going for that takedown anymore mm -hmm. like because he got takedowns and he got him down but like he wasn't really doing much on the and you have to start questioning like you got to do something this when you get up there, man. You got to do something. Well, it used to mean a lot. It used A takedown used to be round stealers. And now with the new criteria, I kind of look at it and be like, this round's really close now. And like maybe he's getting the nod because the damage is pretty close. And then you go to like who had effective grappling. I don't know if they even count. Dude, no one knows. I don't think anybody knows what effective, effective grappling means. I think effective grappling, because I think when you try to read the definition is just like it had it like. Well, Big John says, no, effect, the, the way the rules are meant now is meant to mean damage. But then, like, what does effective grappling mean when, like, is, is it not damaging if I make you gas out running you, fucking you through wrestling drills? Like, like well, what are we I doing? Mean, that's the thing, yeah. Is I don't know if just being on top of somebody and... and I get you have to work. I get that you have to work. Yeah. I don't think just getting the takedown isn't enough, but... To, to Mark's point, though, um, even though um, it's still pretty mud muddied, and muddled exactly what effective grappling is. Uh, you can say there has been a bit of a de-emphasization on if you just get, you know, an empty calories takedown, um, you know, the significance of it. Yeah, how many fights did we watch back in the day where it was like, okay, this guy's getting hit a bunch, but at the end he got a takedown. Did he steal the we, used to, we literally said steal the round. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, like he didn't own it. What was what was that? Um, all right. We got to go. Uh, Bo Nickel, Ma, you guys all saw Bo Nickel need that guy in the dick, right? Need him right in the dick before he took him down? <laughs> like, the he guy made a face. He says he need him in the inner thigh. Uh, that looks square. What I think, honestly, it's it's weird that we everybody was just like, yeah, it's fine. Who gives a fuck? This guy wasn't going to win. <laughs> like, that was pretty much everybody's reaction. And, like, you also can't, when they're appealing the decision, you can't appeal a decision for that reason. That's not one of the ways you can appeal a decision. So he's fucked either right. way. Um, Bo Nickel, what do we do? We, they just made him fight on pay-per-view. So give him another guy to fight on pay-per-view, I guess, right? Like, he bulldozed this fucking guy. Like, uh, what weight class is this? 55? 35? Well, I don't even know what weight class this is. 85. 85. It's not that fucking deep. 85? Jesus. What's Chris Curtis up to? Have him fight Chris Curtis. That's, that, that might be tough. Speaking like, uh, um... Uh, who's the Hawaiian cat that everyone... Uh, Taveras? That's the good Tavares. measuring stick that if you're legit. Good... If you can beat up it Brad. It is, yeah. <laughs> Him or Court McGee, or I think Court's 170, so either one of those would work. Um, Cody Garbrandt got a little bit of shit. I felt Daniel Cormier was being a little bit harsh, saying that he was fighting kind of like safe and boring, because guys, Cody Garbrandt needed a fucking win, right? Like, what are we even talking about? Yeah. I didn't care how boring it was. Take him down and stay there, Cody. Do what you gotta do. Like, there, there's, there's also this, and I can't take credit for, uh, for this point, I heard it on, I think one of the guests from the MMA hour said it, but you can't, I think it was Anthony Smith, where he said, you can't criticize Cody, you know, for getting knocked out four times, four times in a row, mm -hmm. 
and looking like generally he really can't take a shot like how he used to, you can't criticize him for that. And then at the same time, when he actually fights uh, an intelligent fight, which limits the damage and keeps him out of harm's way, then get at him for that as well. Man, um, you, you can't speak out of both sides of your mouth. How cursed was that Cody and TJ rivalry? It just killed everybody involved. <laughs> Jesus Christ. They're all cooked. But yeah, he needed a win, man. He needed a win. DDP, Drickus de Plessis. I think people just like saying DDP because, you know, 1998 was awesome. Um, DDP's fighting style is real, is real haphazard, man. Real haphazard. Mark and I talked about how Derek, Derek Brunson's being really, really underestimated in this fight. And yeah, he got finished at the end there. He got a fucking hammer fist on him at the end of the second round. But DDP's got a lot of show muscles. They don't go necessarily. He's getting tired a little early in these fights. He's getting hit a lot in these fights. I don't know if this is a long-term recipe for success. But he beat the number five middleweight in the fucking world. So, yeah, okay. Uh, big win for Amanda Hibas. Big win for Marc-Andre Baralt. I just want to point out that Julian Marquez, who famously fumbled the bag with Miley Cyrus, is 0-2 with getting not with two knockout losses since fumbling that said bag, Mike. Life's really taking a turn negative for Julian Marquez. Really is, man. 0-3, you know, he lost he lost the baddie, Miley Cyrus, and then he lost two fights. My, Mark, Ian Gary got, got dropped there, man, in that first round. Mm -hmm. uh, came back, got a late finish. Man, you gotta, you're got you a super prospect, but sometimes you gotta, you got to still got to get those wins, man. You, know, you get just dangerous along the way. You can find a guy yeah. who can crack. And I mean, and he did, but yep. it's just another, another example of not being an easy road, right? Like, he got the W, but, you know, there was a time there where it looked like it was a little dicey, but, you know, he pulled it through. So we'll have to see. You know, that bar is kind of getting lowered with his yeah, recent I mean, performances, just like how far he could go, but there's still a lot of time to improve, too. You so got we'll to get him a guy we've heard of, though, man. we This is his fourth straight fight fighting three of those guys on Wikipedia pages, but I couldn't tell you who any of them are. They just look like creative fighter names. So here we are. Um, this was a really good card, man. You've got to charge 80, $80 for stuff. Um, you got to deliver. Uh, performances of the night, John Jones, Alexa Grasso, and Bo Needham right in the dick, nickel. Um... Shavkat Rachmanov and Jeff Neal got fight of the night, and um, you got me. I wonder how did how did Jeff Neal get fight of the night when Jeff Neal missed weight by five pounds because you're not allowed to, you know, you're not eligible for bonuses. Well, uh, the bald headed fuck who runs the show said, "I don't give a shit." Literally said, "I don't give a shit." Which I look, I'm not going to complain about guys getting paid. This was the best fight of the night, I thought, like easily, but. Uh, we just like are we just we're just at the whims of this fucking megalomaniac there, huh, Mark, Mike? Huh? Just what is this guy feeling this week? Is what's going to determine how this sport is run? It's like the the astronaut meme where the guy has the gun behind his head and it's like it's been the moon the whole time. It always has. Uh, <laughs> you've always been at this dude's whim. Sorry, Mike. I just had to get my meme reference in before your comment. Exactly, nah, man. Um, much much appreciated. Um, all right. Um, fifty grand for all those people. Um, Jessica Panay dropping a fight early in the card. She's, she's 40 years old, man. I think we're, no offense to her, but this is not going so well recently. Like, five of seven losses. Not great. Um, UFC's back next week. Um, they're doing it in front of people only because the Apex is booked for the slap fighting. I am not kidding. That is the only reason this is in front of people. Uh, <laughs> say it correct, Bob. The slap night... Slap night. Slap fight 
finals. Yes. Uh, it's been no long. They're not going to be on pay-per-view. You know, they don't want to put it, you know, maybe you to pay for it. No. It's, instead of being on pay-per-view, it's going to be for free on Rumble, which is some some weird right-wing YouTube. It's like some weird right-wing YouTube or whatever video sharing site, which I contend, why don't you just put it on YouTube and people will see it. But I guess the Rumble people might have cut Dana a check or whatever. Maybe it just like makes Dana's life easy when he wants to donate to Trump's presidential campaign. He's just like, it's fucking pass through, man. Just go right. You were going to give it to me. Give it to him so he stops calling me. Um, by the way, on the UFC website, ride the fucking top, Mark. Power slap league. And then right underneath it in the corner, they're like, hey, the number two and number three Bantamweights are going to fucking def- uh, fight this weekend too. But nah, power slap. Yeah, well, it's like. I know you came to the UFC, but this is what we're pushing more than our legitimate product that we've bet, you know, spent decades trying to build. We really need to get slap fight going. So, yeah, exactly. Top marquee, baby. Um, all right. Real quick, before we get into that, a little bit of news this week. Um, Marcus, those bare knuckle people are doing stuff. They are. They're yeah, doing they stuff. They're making it interesting. Um, they have signed Eddie Alvarez and Eddie Alvarez mm-hmm. is going to fight Chad Mendez. I'd like to see that, Mark. Honestly, that sounds like a yeah a good time. I mean, <laughs> honestly, they're kind of doing the Bellator tactic, but just doing way it a better, little better. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just getting more interesting guys that have more juice in the tank. So yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one. And Alan Belcher has been ripping it up over there. He's I their mean, heavyweight champ, right? I think he just won that belt. I don't know. Did, did he win? I it has not convinced me to be like, oh yeah, I need to watch this pay per view. But from the outside looking in, it's like, well, oh, this is interesting. Mike Perry also is going to face a new a newcomer, Mike. Mike Perry's facing Luke Rockhold. Luke Rockhold also signing with Bare Knuckle. Honest question, Mike. In your head, is Luke Rockhold not about 12 feet taller than Mike Perry? Or is that just me? Because I don't Like, I'm trying to imagine this fight. <laughs> Did Mike Perry even fight at 185? I don't think so. I don't think. Alan I mean, Belcher wasn't a heavyweight in the UFC, but here we are. <laughs> like, this is the Bare Knuckle world. I mean, Mike Perry was... It's it's funny to see him first angling for a fight with uh, with Jake Paul, and he's like, ah, fuck it, I'll just go to bare knuckle. Yeah, that pretty much did it. Let me get that check instead. Um, by the way, I'm not sure if you guys saw this in pay per view, but the loudest crowd cheer of the night when they showed the Diaz brothers. <laughs> I was surprised the UFC showed him on the broadcast, to be honest. But apparently, they did go to Nate Diaz and asked him if he wanted to coach tough hmm. before they did this right. thing. By the way, when they showed Connor, yo, is Connor going to pass a drug test right now? Like, he looks huge. He looks it's so funny. big. Looking <laughs> he juicy. Always had a, he always had a big head, right? But it's like. But now it used to be figuratively. Now it's literally. <laughs> it's like puffy. It just looks like. I, dude, I don't like. I know yeah, that, he did. that was his wife rubbing up on his yeah, that, shirt, that was, right? That's Mrs. McGregor, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Like, I just. Woo. Like he's uh, he's sitting next to Gyllenhaal. Uh, did you guys see the clip from the Gyllenhaal fight? Where he oh, just, what a knockout! Yeah. Flying knee. Did you, by the way, referee was doing terrible. His hands were low, just taking bombs to the face in the cor- in the yes. cage corner. And I'm like, is this how, a good look how for this would sport? you guys? How do you feel if you're like you pay tickets to watch real fights and they're like, okay, guys, we're gonna cut for about 30 minutes here. We're gonna shoot some scenes for a movie. Are you excited about Actually, that? Are you? They, uh, that, that is what we got. They the did all of that in 15 minutes. Yeah, they did. quick. But I'm just happy Jay Haran's getting a check, man. That's my takeaway from this. Good for Jay Haran. I did like they asked Dana White about it, and Dana White's like, 
he looked good about Jake Gyllenhaal. I'm not sure if he's uh, been tested by USADA. And I'm just like, yeah, we don't think your drug testing is legit anyway, Jano. Dana, don't worry. <laughs> it's fine. Um, also happening. So I guess I don't see why the news happened besides that. Um, buh, 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 just checking to see if everything happened. Apparently, John Jones has beaten the most UFC champions in history. Um, by the way, Khabib invited be uh, gone to uh, move to Dagestan for a year to two to wrestle to learn wrestling. This was before this fight even. Wait a second, you said now John Jones is being the most champs. He's beaten I the mean, most champions, I guess. Well, wait, surreal. Oh wait, surreal gone was an interim champ, wasn't he? Yeah, he beat. Uh, eight champ- this is his eighth champion. I mean, I don't know. The Couture, every champion Couture beat real champion. Are these champions even real? Isn't this a trophy we give at the end of the night? Who cares? Uh, I don't know. Uh, Couture had seven. GSP had seven. Fedor had seven. So this is not just UFC. What? What? I mean, uh, I guess Nunez got seven. How did? Who? How have there been seven champions besides Nunez? How is that even that, fucking I possible? Wait. Tate, Ra- be, Tate, Rousey, Holly. Here they are. Beat Holly, what once? Tate. Rousey, Holly, Cyborg, Jermaine. She was champion, technically. Wow, Shevchenko yeah, and Pena. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Anderson only beat four former champions. In fairness, Anderson was champion for like six years. There wasn't time for other champions. Um, all right. Happening this weekend, in addition, to the, in addition to this UFC card, I feel that it is a, my public service announcement to let people know that this motherfucker exists. Um there's an Omega Medoff fighting in Bellator. Usman. He's a, might be the scariest Dagestani going these days, outside of probably Islam. Uh, I have a new respect for Islam, quite frankly. Um, Usman is fighting Bendo in the... He's, he's, their, he's their lightweight champion, so he's defending his title, Marcus. You know, that's the thing they do in Bellator. You defend your title in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Usman Omega Medoff is 16-0. Benson Henderson has losses. We know that. He's done okay recently. Betting odds for this one. I, I don't think a UFC champion has ever been a plus 1,000 underdog. I don't care where the career yeah. is. I don't think you've ever been a 10 to 1 underdog as a former, a, not just a UFC champion, a UFC champion with multiple defenses who like kind of ran a weight class for a year mm-hmm. and a half. Like, I don't know if there was much of a line back then, but what about after, didn't Tim Sylvia get knocked out by Ray Mercer or something? Or <laughs> yeah, what, 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 Whatever the line was for Sylvia versus Fedor, I feel it wasn't 10. By the way, Usman is minus 2,000. So, like, mm-hmm. I mean, that is, those odds, they're giving Bendo, again, I know he's not Bendo, he's not Bendo anymore. They're giving him no chance, though. Yeah. That is, like, Bo Nickel odds is what they just gave Bendo to win this fight. And he's 16-0 with 13 finishes. He just beat up a pit, beat up a Pitbull brother for five rounds, and he's already, get, he just got the title, and the criticism is, man, he went the decision with that guy. Why do you go to what, decision uh, with that guy? What, what type of odds are we talking, Ben? Minus okay. two thousand. Ooh, that's worth the squeeze, though. I'll, plus, put, I'll put a little ten action on that. Plus one thousand on Bendo. Minus two thousand on Usman. So you're only getting ten to one on Bendo. Only. That's not enough. That's not enough. Bendo, who just beat Peter Quelly, who's a pretty good fucking fighter. Doesn't matter. Um, they sent Bendo all the way to Dublin to beat up an Irishman, man. All right, they did not even expect him to win that fight. Bendo's got so many decision wins. Jesus, sixteen. Yeah, this is a this is gonna be a rough one, um, f- considering how much I like Benson Henderson. But Usman Nurmagomedov is the truth. That fight's actually here, Mark. It's this uh, nice. Friday. You guys gonna go watch it? I 
got other plans this weekend, but I would have gone, honestly. I'm not sure I would have paid, but if they, if we'd gotten credentials, I would have definitely gone for that. And I'm a big, uh, I'm a big fan of Tafik Musayev. So if you do turn on this fight card, Mark, at any point, Tafik has got 20 wins, 16 of them are by knockout. How could I, Bobby? They put it behind a paywall for Showtime. There's no I, I way. Mean, you you have money, this. man. You paid eighty bucks for the UFC paper. You can pay ten bucks for Showtime. Oh yeah, you know I did. <laughs> yeah. You know the core is hooking it up day of. <laughs> I saw I saw the John Jones fight like three different times on YouTube too. Well, in fairness, I mean, look, it was a fucking two minutes, thing, so you can't see. <laughs> but yeah, and it was only two minutes long. But like, yeah, let's. I don't need to play the game where it's like, yeah, I spent eighty dollars all by myself to watch that. Um, I think, uh, I think you need friends. You need friends at that point. You is, can't be spending I, eighty bucks on this shit. We were talking about it, Mike. I think I said that like, if the three of us were in the same place, you, me, and the three of us were together in the same place and lived in the same town, and we got together, <laughs> I would pay for every. I would pay one third every time. For these pay-per-views. That is, because you and me used to pay basically 30 bucks each when we lived together in college. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know. I don't know if I'd pay for everyone. This last one I would have, but not everyone. Not for not the so not for the social me. environment, even. Like, no, we got some pizza. Oh, okay. We got some. Hey, look, I'm, I'm even, a hermit, dude. Even look, then, I'm trying right to. Now. What if we came to your house? <laughs> recruit a few more friends. That's true. You know? We get stuff on in there, maybe. Up the cause. Um, all right. Let's make some picks, because this is already an hour-long pod, hour and 10-minute podcast. Mm-hmm. This is this is a very difficult fight to predict, in my opinion. Peter Jan, Marab Divishvili, fighting to—I don't know what they're fighting for. If I'm being honest, at this point, because uh-huh. Marab won't fight Aljo, because that's his training partner, um, and Peter Jan keeps losing to Aljo, so he's not getting a title shot. Basically, you got two guys just preparing for Henry Cejudo maybe beating Aljo, right? That's what it sounds like here. Um. We, I'm trying to pull up the fucking card while we're talking. Sorry. Uh, Peter Yawn, last time we saw him, he thought he was talking about leaving this company because he thought it was that much bullshit that he lost um, to Sean O'Malley. A fight that I went back and watched, and quite frankly, I can see how he won the fight, Sean O'Malley. I still thought Peter Yawn won, but it was much closer in my head the second time, Marcus. I don't know if you remember that fight at all. Um Marab uh, Divashvili got booed in his last fight because he pretty much was just trying to take Jose Aldo down unsuccessfully for three rounds on and off in what was Jose Aldo's final fight, which was for some reason in Salt Lake City. He's on a eight-fight win streak. Betting odds for this one, I believe uh, Marab is the underdog coming into this one. Yes, he is. Plus 190 to Peter Jan's minus 250. Um, are we still you and me in chalk tied or am I ahead of everybody or what well, I'm ahead, right? Mike, what are we at? Uh no, we uh me, you and Chalk were tied at eight and two mm-hmm. um before the uh, last uh fights. Mm-hmm. Uh we all went four and one. Yeah. Yep. So me, I, you and Chalk are twelve and three and Mark is eleven and four. I thought Mark was gonna end up at gone at one point, but then I was just like Mark is like, no, I'm not betting on a French guy to stop a takedown from an American muscle man. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um look, this is I I'll go first here. I am taking Peter Yon. I'm not happy that I'm taking Peter Yon. Because I think it's become clear that Peter Yon makes some bad decisions when he fights. And I don't think he takes responsibility for the positions for the bad decisions he makes. I think he's just a screw job when he makes a bad decision and it leads to a bad situation in a fight for him, okay? He still thinks he beat Aljo in the second fight. He didn't, okay? He got taken down, got his back taken left and right. 
First fight, it's somehow Aljo's fight that he did an illegal knee, right? He's in denial about how close the last Sean O'Malley fight was. And here's the thing. Marab is an excellent fighter. And Marab also has spent the last year and a half mimicking Peter Jan. He is Aljamain Sterling's chief training partner. His job was to mimic Peter Jan for him. So this is a man he's very familiar with. That being said, I know Jose Aldo's got really good takedown defense, but Jose Aldo was old. And Marab was having a very hard time taking him down. So I, again, I don't like it. I think this is closer than the lines. I really think this is a, clo this is a pick em fight almost. But Peter Yan in five-round fight experience, I mean, he at least has it. So I got Peter Yan. Mike, what do you got? Yep, I'm going to go with Peter Yan as well. I think he won the, the Sean O'Malley fight. Um, I, I'm in his camp. I mean, I did too, um, but it was close. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll give I'll give it that. Um, I still think he is a, t a top two in his division. I think Marab is going to present some some challenges for him, but I think Jan gets the decision. Mark, yeah, I'm with Jan too. I, I I do agree mostly with you guys. Like, I think this is a really close fight. I mean, when you look at both guys' records, neither of them get finished a lot. It's mostly decisions. They both win a lot of decisions. Um, Peter in five rounds, you know, with that experience might be a little better. And yeah, I mean, for me, for me, uh, Marab hasn't really like super impressed. He's had some impressive performances. I think the Jose Ali fight was the one I'm really like, okay, let's, let's see what he got. And he just underperformed a little it bit. It was his coming out so party. We'll he does here. It was like, we were right. supposed to, like, they put you in a position there to, to put, they, they, the fight was for you to make your name off of Jose, right? That was the point of that fight. And it was, they sent Jose Aldo to Utah for the love of fucking God, right? Like. They weren't giving him a fucking send-off in Brazil. They wanted Marab to do better. Um, this is tough because I would be lying to you if I say I know a lot about Romanov. Alexander Volkov, Alexander Romanov. Minus 165 for Romanov, plus 135 for Volkov. Volkov coming off of a win over Biggie Boy. Um, Romanov coming, suffering his first career loss. Um against Tybora back on that same card where uh, Marab failed to perform, quite frankly, in Utah. They're just sending these foreign dudes to Utah, Utah card. They did not care about that Utah card. They did not. They, they put, they said Kamaro and Edwards to Utah, to main event. And I'm like, you could not, you you just sent the black dude from England and the Nigerian dude to fight in Utah. What are we doing here? Um, 16 and one though for Romanov. Um and uh, Volkov got a hundred fights, right? He's got a hundred fights. Um, I'm I'm taking Romanov, man. The guy was sixteen and 0, first career loss. Just banking on him bouncing back. Also, Romanov is the most inconsistent heavyweight that exists. He wins one, he loses one. He wins one, he loses one. He's got three losses. He's got uh, he's been finished in five of his ten losses. He quite frankly can lose any way possible. But uh, this dude's a finisher. Uh, Romanov, and I think I've seen Volkov get his lights put out a couple times. So I got Romanov. Mike, who do you got this time? I am going to zig while you zag. I'm going to be going with Volkov with this one. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm going to try a new strategy this year where with fights that I think are coin flips, Flip the coin. if someone, you know, you know, someone goes one way, I'm going to go the other. All right. Your boy's trying to win this year and he's trying to build himself a lead. Mark. Yeah, I, I'm with Mike, you know, just looking at resumes, um, you know, uh, Romanov, you know, good record, but 
Marcin Tibora, I don't he's not been a world beater for me. Um and you know, I can you can do a little math here. Volkov beat him. So we'll see. I mean, I, I do think it's an intriguing matchup. I do like, you know, looking at his resume, there's not a lot of names that get me very excited, but there's a lot of finishes. There's, he's only gone to the decision twice. Um, so I think this is so going, think this is getting be a fast one. Just looking at these guys, they got a lot of finishes between the two of them. Yeah, but um, I mean, it looks like Romanov does, you know, he has a little bit more submissions than KOs. I don't know. There's there's not much to really go off because I'm just not super familiar with him. I've always liked Volkov. I think, you know, he's a very technical guy. Um, it's going to be a tough one. But, yeah, I just I like that resume more. There's He's got more losses, but they're pretty much cream of the crop. But I don't consider Marcin Tybor to be quite there. So, you know, sad. I don't think either one of these got team of the crop, but this weight class kind of sucks. So they're both like top 12. Um, that's what I'm telling you, man. These heavyweights aren't as good. John Jones is going to win this way, going to run this weight class for another three fucking years in between getting suspended two times. Um, we got number eight versus number 13 in this one. So, man, check out Blagoy, top 15 rank still. Right on, number 15. All right, we picked this fight uh, a couple weeks ago, and then Volkov, then um, Krylov got hurt. Um, Ryan Span, Nikita Krylov. Ryan Span is coming into this one. I think it's the same odds, more or less, right? Ryan Span's a little bit of an underdog. Plus 143 to minus 180-ish. Last time, Mike and I both took Ryan Spann. Mark took Nikita Krylov. Just speaking for myself, it being a three-round fight, I like even more because that's the kind of, wild, kind of wild shit Ryan's... I'll say this. Someone's definitely going to sleep in this one uh, in a three-round fight. That's the type of fight. Ryan Spann, short fight. Gonna, doesn't have to worry about five-round energy. It's going to be even more hectic. I think it's going to be a fun watch, quite frankly. Mike, are you changing your pick? Because I'm sticking to Ryan Spann. I am not. Marcus, are you changing your pick? No, I'll ride with Krylov. It, it is concerning. I guess it's catchweight, too. At least that's what it says here. Um, but, I mean, it's not great. That fight was only, like, two, three weeks ago. Yeah, he was And sick. he couldn't make it because he was sick. <laughs> so, like, it's not a great turnaround to be like, oh, I just came from the flu, and now I'm going to have a fight and win. Um, logic dictates I should probably move it, but I already made my call. So, we'll go with Krylov. We'll roll the dice. What is the weight class for this thing? You're saying it's – you uh, see it with no weight? Uh, like heavy? I don't know. My little uh, – Google thing says it's catch weight. Oh, what's it called? Says Maybe like that. Wikipedia says I don't that. Know. I don't know. Anyway, um, the rest of this card is eh. There's, I mean, in front of people. Got an Omega Medov on this one. Saeed is on this one. Ricardo Ramos on this card. A couple names you might recognize. Hafiel Asuncao and Davy Grant, two veterans. Arian Lipsky, JJ Aldrich. Tyson Nam, who Mark, we are always going to remember as the man who knocked out a sitting Bellator champion. Sure, yeah. He knocked out Dantes in like a fucking gym or like a like a ring in some random fight overseas. Probably so, jungle fight. That sounds that sounds interesting. And probably correct. There's also another Mega Nermega Medov on this card too, Abu Bakar. Who I th- wasn't that his dad's name? I don't know. Maybe Khabib's Khabib's got a lot of siblings, it looks like. Um anyway, let's do stuff we like and get out of here. Um I'll go. I'll I'll just talk about the pay per view. I went the wrestling pay per view. I went to last. So, uh, Mark, you got anything this week? Uh, yeah, just real short. Um, there's a production crew that does video game documentaries that I've always really enjoyed. They're called Two Player Productions. Um, they did a lot of stuff with Penny Arcade. Um, and probably in the last couple of years, done a lot of stuff with Double Fine. Um, and they put out a huge. I think it's 35 episode part about double fine working on uh, psychonauts 2 
taped over seven years, taping them every day. Um, and as someone that's really interested in game development and stuff, I don't think I've seen a more honest depiction of what it takes to make a game and just how like difficult that process is, how like seemingly impossible it is to have all these things come together to produce the product, the end products, you know, and it's a lot of people always complain about frame rates and this and that. And it's like, you don't really even understand like how much time and talent sweat and tears goes into these things until you get to see something like this, where it's like, this is an unbridled look at how this game developed over the course of seven years, basically from the 10th anniversary of the first Psychonauts to its release in 2022. I, I think I'm, all, I'm only on episode like 10. What was the name um, of the channel, you, Marcus? Uh, well, it's it's called the the special is called Psycho Odyssey. Uh -huh. I think it's on Double Fine Productions. Um, and I've been a big Double Fine fan. Um, Tim uh, Schaefer, who worked on a lot of the Lucas Arts point and click adventure games like Full uh, Full Throttle and Day of the Tentacle, um, basically left Lucas Arts back in like '05 and started his own uh, uh, company in San Francisco called Double Fine. And they've had a lot of documentaries kind of showing their process, and it's just. It's not a very big team, and it's just—it was really refreshing just to see like almost how how much people like don't really know like what they're doing, and they kind of just figure it out through pure passion. Um, it's been really interesting. I really enjoyed it. So yeah, thirty-two I mean, if you're episodes, in that kind of stuff. Yeah, and they're, they're about like thirty to forty minutes long, um, but it's really intriguing. I mean, I think if you really wanted to get like a taste of what it really takes to make a video game. Um, and they are like they at the time they were not owned, so they were self-publishing. So they used Kickstarter a bunch, and they had woes with that. Psychonauts Two was on Fig, um, and then I'm interested to see they did get bought out by Microsoft about a year ago. So like even though I'm not like a big Xbox guy, and even to be honest, like Double Fine's always been hit and miss for me personally. I think some of their games were really cool and inventive, and some of them just don't really gel with me. But I love their transparency and just showing you like what it takes to make these games and like you really get to know the team and the people working on it and just see the struggle. Um, so I think it's really cool. Like if, if you're interested in like how games are made, uh, it's a big ask. It's a lot of episodes, but it's also really entertaining. So yeah, uh, psycho odyssey. Mike, what do you got this week? Uh, one quick thing. Uh, just reading, uh, just got a, a Twitter alert. Uh, Niners are considering Matt Ryan or Andy Dalton. Oof. It's going to be a rough season for you, but <sighs> we just need a third string um, quarterback. I don't know. It sounds sound like they're looking for this for your first stringer. Mm. Tough shame. Look, just because your team is very, very bad, like very bad, all right, and you missed out on Derek Carr. We're not. We're not very bad. You guys we just get, have. We have no quarterback. Look, you guys are ruining my guy Bob Sala's fucking coaching career. Can you guys get it together? Get him a real quarterback. Help him out. All right. In fairness, our two teams are very similar. We're very good with no quarterback. So you know. You need a quarterback. Pot, that. Pot, call, pot calling the kettle. We both want Matt Ryan. Anyway, um, so I am actually going to follow Mark, go with a video game motif this week. Uh, I have been playing pretty diligently um, since I got back from Tampa. Uh, Hogwarts, uh, Hogwarts Legacy. Uh, if you guys don't know, that is the AAA game uh, based on the Harry Potter universe that came out maybe about 10 days ago. Um, it's been very good. Um, granted, I can be a bit biased because I am a Potterhead. I had a, 
you know, I had an account on Pottermore uh, for, for years now. I was uh, sorted into Ravenclaw. Uh, some friends took me to the Harry Potter store for my birthday, and I absolutely loved it. Um, so this game definitely is, is you know, for, for me as, as the demographic. Um, but I think even besides that, I think the actual gameplay is pretty good in the game. The, the mechanics of it, the, the, the battle system, I think is very entertaining and not repetitive at all with, uh, the different assortment of cell, uh, spells and combinations that you can actually do in the game, uh, keeps it fresh. I think throughout the game so far, uh, the story is pretty good as well, but I think that would be ex to be expected or hoped for for uh for a game in the harry potter universe so if you have i think it's out for either pc ps5 and i think whatever the xbox is called is that the xbox yeah, the, the, one? The, the, the current generation of games yeah it's going to come out i think for four and the older xbox and and even switch um but they're not out yet and i don't know how well they're going to run on those systems because it's i it's don't a pretty know but game. I, I will say one of my favorite things is um when you get to the point that you can actually uh use your broom around the, the hog the you know the hogwarts region it's pretty breathtaking being able to see the you know the the, the world of hogwarts um and that vantage point you know like uh Flying up to, to, to Hogsmeade or, or flying up to, to Hogwarts itself, it's uh, pretty uh, breathtaking and uh, pretty enjoyable. So, you know, it, it seems like based off the the sales numbers I've heard for the game um, over the last uh, last week or, or two weeks, it seems not too many people care about the fact that the number one benefactor for how good this game is going. Is you know someone who said some not nice things about you know the transgender community. So there we are. Right, right on. Um. All right. Uh. So real quick, I watched Chris Rock stand up special. Any good? Mm. I enjoyed it because I think Chris Rock is good at like. I think he called it. I think it's called selective outrage. Where he's talking, mm -hmm. he talks about like people just pick and choose what they want to be angry about and stuff like that. And like, then he did, we gave us what we wanted. Okay. Was, okay. He, <laughs> he fucking <laughs> killed him. He nice. now, now buried him like Hogan buried the entire roster in the 80s. Okay, man. Fucking six feet under. It was how I'm going with a wrestling metaphor to lean into the event thing. No, that was excellent. He fucking, I, I Chris Rock, because. I've loved Chris Rock since I was like 12 years old, his stand-up, man. You know, not everyone's an A-plus. He's almost like 60 years old, but he still's got his fastball. It's not cooking the entire night, but he still got his fastball. So it was a good show. Um, I think it was also live. Like, yeah, yeah. that was kind of the... Yeah. So like I heard him make a couple, like he misspoke a couple places, and I was just like, oh, well, this is live. That's kind of cool. All right. Um, last night I went to AEW Revolution. Uh, their AEW's quarterly pay-per-view. Revolution being the one that is very often considered the best event of the year, and if this is the case this year, we won't be disappointed because that was a really good show, guys. It was a really, really good show. Um, not to go through the entire thing, a couple things that stood out. That Iron Man match. I First of all, if you're going to book an hour-long wrestling match, 
at the end of a pay-per-view, your pay-per-view needs to take be taking place in California. Because, Mike, if they had that card ending, that match would have ended at 11.45 on a Sunday yeah. night. Right? Yeah. That's Everybody's tired. 8.45 in San Francisco. We're all fine. I'm amazed. I'm amazed I actually stayed up to watch it. Bro, they had us chanting fight forever 50 minutes into this match. Like, this was a long pay-per-view. That was one of the that was the best Iron Man. I I the original Iron Man match with Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, the first one I saw at WrestleMania 12, has a very special place in my heart. And I actually wish Ste- wish Stefan was here. Because we used to watch it and talk about it all the time. It's Stefan's favorite match. So it's a very special place for me. And I've seen a lot of other Iron Man matches. This was fucking incredible. And Mike, let me tell you, we all knew there was a 0% chance of Brian Danielson winning this, right? Like 0% chance. They had me at the end believing it might happen. Like, I thought he might do it. Like, when he hit that fucking knee in overtime, whoo, dude, MJF can go. I mean, look, MJF keeps, like, acting like people don't think he can go. I Maybe there are. He doesn't wrestle enough. MJF can go. We all know he can go. He's a fucking, he might be one of the best wrestlers in the world. Brian Daniels is the best wrestler I've ever seen. No, no one is able to work so many different styles as this man. Um, the other thing I want to point out is, um, so in the Bobby Rajabi star system, cause you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, I like Meltzer. I've met uncle Dave a bunch of times. He's a very nice guy. He's kind of a weirdo, but he's a very nice guy. He's just one man. And he gives us a opinion. I genuinely agree with him a lot of times cause we seem to like the same thing in, re- in wrestling. So, but I've been, uh, I've been to two five-star matches based on his scale. The first one was Cody versus Dustin. The second one was the, still my favorite match I've ever been to live, Mike. Anarchy in the Arena. Anarchy in the Arena was the most he fun. Gave of, that, he gave that five stars. That match was perfect for what it needed to be, buddy. That was the most fun I've had watching wrestling ever. <laughs> we stood up for the whole match. I okay? mean, just, just the start of it where it's like, wait, has the fight started? They're still playing Wild Thing. They're playing Wild Thing for like the first 15 minutes yeah. of this fight. They went New Jack with it. It was great. Anyway, this ladder match, this, this is right up there. The Iron Man match was fucking brilliant work on both of them. It was perfect. That was great. Uh, Hangman and Moxley, I'm not the biggest like deathmatch wrestling guy because I'm getting old and I'm kind of squeamish. And Moxley pulled out a fork within five minutes, not even five yes. minutes of this match. He had a fork. Um, the uh, them raking each other's backs harder than I think was necessary. Them raking each other's backs with the barbed wire. That one dude hitting the other dude with a fucking brick. Like the, I appreciate. I I thought it was an excellent match, but I was like, and like I I don't. I especially like Mike. I don't like it when you give me a hardcore match just for the sake of give, like, like I hate that WWE has a pay per view named Hell in a Cell because I think right. like. If the circumstances of the story dictate it, yeah, let's go to war. And the circumstances of this story did dictate that. But even then, I was like, boys, calm down. Boys, this is a little rough. Like, I was literally hands on my face when they were doing the uh, fucking back rake thing. Like, I was fucking gross. Okay? Um, That was great, too. And the House of Black is over. But nobody is as over as Jamie Hayter. Jamie Hayter is loved, Mike. How just big was that pop? For Jamie Hayter? Yeah. I think she got the biggest pop. 
Like, not counting a win that happened. Like, people, like, well, people lost their minds when House of Black won, by the way. People love House of Black. Um, but Jamie Hayter is so over. So over. And nobody saw the turn coming with Ruby. That was actually pretty good. No one really expected her to turn. So the crowd ate that. Hook, line, and sinker. It was a good crowd, man. They got like 9,000 people in there, which was the most wrestling fans who'd ever been in that arena. WWE had never, hadn't done a pay-per-view there, but they've been there for a few SmackDowns and Raws. And uh, wait, what, Was it at the Cow Palace? No, Chase or? Center. Oh, was it at the Chase Center? Yeah, okay. we had a... We had a we had a bake sale Betty's. Just, we walked in and went to bake sale Betty's before we sat down. That nice. was an immediate move. So I had a really good time though. Uh, AEW pay per views. This is my third one. I know Mike's been to like two or three AEW shows. Also, uh, they make sure with these special events that they actually put on a good show. So they always make sure. And uh, it's always nice when Tony just comes out at the end of the night to thank you for coming to the wrestling show. <laughs> so it was great, man. It was it was it was really great. Um. But, yeah, that's all we got this week, I think. Well, we already had a long podcast. We'll put another, we'll put a, we'll try to induct the fight next week into stuff we like. Um, we are, uh, next week we're going to be probably spending much of the show uh, previewing another fucking pay-per-view. Feels like they don't want Kamaru and Leon to sell pay-per-views, guys. Just saying. Feels like this, like they're sandbagging them. People, so someone wants their credit card bill to get hit with $160 in UFC charges in one month? Because, anyway, we'll preview uh, Leon Edwards versus Kamara Usman, which, telling you right now, that's going to be a good fight. Uh, Mike's going to have an opportunity to catch it. Mike and Mark are going to have an opportunity to catch a game up on me because unless something changes, I'm taking Rocky Edwards. Um, all right, um, until that time, that was Dr. Law. That was Lavender Gooms, and that was DJ Mark. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We'll be back next week, and peace out. See ya. I was having some real issues uh, opening up my, uh, my seltzer. I actually started to hurt my hand. There's too much pressure or what? <laughs> yeah, it's too much pressure. That shit, that shit feels like a fucking missile. Isn't yours automatic, too? I mean, yeah, but like it's been closed for like three weeks, so I guess the pressure is built up. Feels like a rock. Fair enough. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Be safe. <laughs>